My body is a roadmap of pain. Deathmatchworldwide.com, the official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a deathmatch wrestler, promotion, manager, or platform, and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view. Welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I'm your host Rafe Houston and today I'm joined by a very special guest. She's the queen of the death matches. She's a walking episode of Cops. It is the one and only Mickey Knuckles. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am awesome. Thank you so much for making time for me today. Uh, you've been on the bucket list for a while. I feel like your career speaks for itself and you've been on fire lately so I'm really excited for this chat. Well, I appreciate you chatting with me. It's a very big honor. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Um, whenever I do this, I, I like to just rewind all the way back to the very start, uh, just as a, a beginning sort of thing. And I usually ask people, when they think about pro wrestling, what's the first face they remember? So if you're you're a kid or you're sitting there and you're watching TV, when does pro wrestling reach out and grab you? Um, Like... It, it just depends. Watching on TV was one thing. Yeah. But seeing it live, I remember I was young. I was very young. And I went to the Louisville Garden. Yeah. And I watched Miss Texas beat up downtown Bruto. And she beat the shit out of him. Like, she just man him. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Yeah. So you, you saw, like, intergender stuff like that early. Mm-hmm. I was just very into it. Yeah. Like, holy shit. She had beaten his ass like a man. And my mom was very strong um, when she was living. She was a very strong woman to where mm-hmm. she believed, you know, no, maybe little boys should hit girls, but if a little girl steps up like a little boy, she deserves to get put down like a little boy. Like, yeah, okay. my mom was very adamant about, you're going to ask for equal stuff, you better be willing to accept equal risk. Yeah, right. And, right. and that's kind of what I grew up with, the whole mentality of if I wanted to do something and be it like – and try to be on some type of equality as a male counterpart. Mm-hmm. I was gonna really have to do it as hard as I could. So yeah, well, just married with. Yeah, well, I I can see you still uh, use that to this very day. You know, um, you go as hard as anybody I've ever seen, and I think that has sort of built your you know legacy in this business or like your reputation. You know, which is pretty impressive. It's been fun. Like, I feel like a whole different beast, and I think it shows. Um, and I think, I don't know, I, I just, I feel like a whole new creature yeah. in that ring. I feel like there's something that, because, you know, wrestlers, we get jaded so many times in the wrestling business yeah. where in the, in the middle of it all, like, you've been in it quite a few years, you're kind of 
bitter towards it a little bit. Yeah. Like you're you're upset or you're frustrated or you know you've been through some shit and you're just like you know I don't is it worth it? Mm-hmm. And you know I always joke I cheated on wrestling with a marriage. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God wrestling welcomed me back after the divorce. You know. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, it's just 2020 was hard for everybody all around mm-hmm. and it just led me to a point in my life where I knew life is only worth living once because mm-hmm. that's all we've got anyways yeah. and why live in maybes and what ifs, why not just do it Yeah. and regret it later maybe it was a bad idea but at least you did it can can it really be a bad idea if it's something that you're really passionate about though you know like if it's something that you love you, you know you need to you need to attack that with no regrets you know because well, you've only got one chance. people oh, I don't I don't oh, okay yeah murder. okay if you love anybody listening to the show if you enjoy murdering people maybe maybe just hold back on that one but most anything that harms anybody else in real life let's hold off on that but if it doesn't do that then go for it full force how about that one it sounds fair enough to me. <laughs> so, um, you you say that you got to go to shows when when you were really young and stuff. That's really cool. I I mean, Perth, Western Australia. I did not get to see a wrestling show until the WWE came to Melbourne on the other side of the country when I was like nineteen years old. You know what I mean? So I never got to see wrestling live. It was all you know VHS tapes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So how do you start to make the trek from you're a young girl who, who thinks that's really cool into maybe training in wrestling or meeting wrestlers or being involved with it? Well, you do it how anybody normally gets into wrestling. You join, you join a backyard fed. <laughs> <laughs> Put a friend through a table in your backyard. Well, you know, except for a friend, it was my brother-in-law and a whole bunch of his friends and uh-huh. They were all much older than me and much much bigger than me, and I was the littlest person out of the whole group. Uh-huh. And so I was the automatic test dummy. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I was the one getting put through stuff oh, or no. having things like ceiling tiles smashed on me. And we went from, when it was cold, we went from doing it in the backyard on a trampoline and stuff mm-hmm. or on the ground to moving it indoors to a local wrestling company that ran a building in town. Ah. Like, they would run a show Friday and Saturday nights, mm-hmm. and then Sunday, as long as we cleaned up beforehand, we were allowed to run out the ring and and train, whatever we thought we were doing, wrestle, yeah. have little matches, like, and and that's kind of how, like, th- that guy had a training school, yeah. and he had never had a girl train or finish there before, and his wife saw me. Uh-huh. Like, I was there. I was the first one there cleaning up, trying to put the ring apron on, making sure the ropes are good, and then every other match I was in there getting put through a table or chairs or anything like that, and, like, after they finished taping or whatever, I'd kind of laugh or, or something stupid, and she's like, hey, have you ever thought to being a wrestler? And I was like, I'd love to, but I was 17 at the time. Like, I luckily, my birthday's in May, so I graduated a week before or a week after I turned uh, 18. And so the deal was they weren't going to train me until I turned 18 and finished high school. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I finished high school, I started going. And I opened my fat mouth and told them that if I was going to train, I wanted to train like a boy. Because I heard through the grapevine that certain things they didn't do, like put the girls through the, the guys, yeah. because they were females. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like that. No. 
So my big ass mouth decides to tell them, I'm gonna trade just like one of the boys. And he's like, All right, bet and then <laughs> and then basically the first day they between all the exercises they had me doing, the continuous uh, running of the ropes, things like that, to duck walks and then aesthetics. Uh, yeah, I, I drove a stick shift car to training because that's what I had. It was a, a Grand Am, uh, Grand Prix, whatever. And uh, it was a stick shift. And I had to find a stick in the nearby grass to push the clutch down to change the gears because my legs were so weak oh for everything God. to put me through. Yeah. And then I still had to get up the next morning at 6 a.m. Like, we didn't finish training until 1 a.m. Oh. Because they started me training by myself because they already had a class in session who had been there for a while. Mm-hmm. And it consisted of, like, J.C. Bailey and Simon Says and all of them. Like, they were coming up and training there mm-hmm. um, with some of the uh, kickboxers' kids. And so they didn't want me to just jump immediately in that group because, I, first off, I'm the only female that they've ever started training. Mm-hmm. And second, I was nowhere near ready to, like, keep up with them. Yeah. And for the longest time, that's all they would have me do. And when they would have me do bumps, if I didn't do bumps a certain way, you know, they'd make me get out and do more, like, Hindu squats and duck walks and stuff as a punishment mm-hmm. to kind of embed it in my brain. But the problem was is I had, at one point in time, five different trainers for five different days of the week. And they all had different ways of approaching things or different things that they wanted to see. And some of them kind of conflicted with the others. Yeah. And so if I didn't do things a certain way with one trainer, that was automatic penalty and punishment. And so that was, you know, more Hindi squats, duck walks, uh, bump and feeds, drills, things like that. And if I did what that if trainer A wanted me to do with trainer B, trainer B would get upset. Like, I really had to learn to adapt to each individual class because there was different styles yeah. and different ways that they trained. Mm-hmm. And then on, you know, Friday nights, we'd have class, and Saturday, we or we'd have uh, shows, clean up, Saturday have shows, clean up, and then Sunday would be another class after cleanup. Uh-huh. And, uh, so that's what I did for, like, the longest time. And then finally they put me with the other group. And the first night they put me with the other group, where it was me, J.C. Bailey, and Simon Says. And uh, it was just funny because they were making jokes in the other car and they didn't know I could hear them. But their window was down because they were they were high as kites. Yeah. And I had my window all the way down. Like, theirs was cracked. Mine was all the way down, so you couldn't see the line of my window because it was hot outside, and I had my engine off, and I was reading a book, and they were making, like, these crude-ass, like, mark-ass jokes, and they didn't think I could hear them, and then during training, they learned real quick I could hear them. <laughs> and then afterwards, they were like, oh, man, we're sorry, we're sorry, man, we were just making jokes. I said, nah, it's fine, yeah. it's fine. I just want to let you know I'm, I, I got you. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, it, it, it probably like, didn't feel like it at the time uh, with all that training like stuff, but probably a huge advantage in hindsight, you know what I mean? Like physically it would have sucked at the time, but like you say, learning to adapt, that's almost priceless training in a sense, isn't it? Like it, there was definitely a few moments where I was like, dude, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing anymore. Like, like it was so confusing, but at the same time, I don't, I don't know. It was, you would have certain epiphanies during certain processes, mm-hmm. certain 
uh, moments during that that whole road that you're taking. And I remember, like, the first time I had the epiphany of what psychology was in a wrestling match. I was driving. I, I know exactly where I was. I was driving from Indianapolis, Indiana, to Joliet, Illinois. Taking, I was driving the ring trucks. I was in the U-Haul, and it was me and John Calvin. John Calvin was passed out of sleep right next to me up against the window. And I was driving, and I had the music playing low, just cruising along the highway, and it hit me like a Mack truck. Instantly got psychology. And it was so easy and simple that I had overcomplicated it for years and I was so pissed at myself for like 45, 50 miles after that. I was pissed. I was like, how can I be so stupid? This is so fucking simple. Ah. So yeah, so like, I was very blessed because I'd had epiphanies like I would understand now why this person felt this way or wanted me to do things this way. And so I learned to adapt eventually. Thank God, otherwise they would kill me. Um, I learned to adapt eventually. Yeah. And I mean, what are you gonna do? You're either gonna complain or you're gonna fucking do what you gotta fucking do. Well, so. yeah. You. I mean, you were obviously like very committed straight out the gate. You know, it was something that you wanted to do. And I mean, you're doing what do you say five days a week or something, and putting up with all this and trying to figure it out. Like it, it would have been. And, I mean, it was a very different time back then as well, so it would have been quite the challenge and something that you had your mind set on. Well, that and I was working two jobs at the same time. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's, that's chaos. Yeah, as soon as, as soon as my sister found out, like, I was living with my sister because my mom died when I was super young. And, does, so and my dad wasn't in my life. Mm-hmm. Me and my sister, my me and my little sister was living with my older sister. And I remember the day they found out that I wanted to train to be a wrestler after I finished high school. And they got so mad that they basically told me that if I went to wrestling training, don't don't come back home. And she was the boss at where I worked. Oh, no. And I remember her saying, and don't bother coming to work either because you're fired. So I said, all right. <laughs> I went to wrestling training, and I took as much as I could carry. And I had to leave my car because I bought my car off my sister. And she had a lien still on my car because she uh, she did something to refinance her house. Yeah. And she asked if she could leave the lien on it and saw a letter. And then they took my car. Oh, my God. So was, yeah, they were trying to get me, like, scare me into not yeah. wrestling. Mm-hmm. And I get it. They were worried that I was going to hurt myself. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's my decision. Yeah. They'll be they'll be an ultra protective, but in sort of the kind of yeah. worst way you can with somebody because they just serve to push you into it even more, and I suppose give you the motivation that you needed to be like fuck you, I'm doing this no matter what. I mean, I guess they were the first to learn that if you tell me I can't do something or tell me I shouldn't do something, I'm gonna fucking do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a bad habit of doing that. If you're like Mickey, you can't do that. And I'm like, all right, hold my beer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I got you. <laughs> I'm about to Get do this. Get camera right? out. It's going to be something. I don't know what it's going to be yet. <laughs> <laughs> but we're here. This has happened. This is this is going down. So I get. I suppose then that the next logical step for you is how does it then go from regular matches and regular training into hardcore and and death matches and things like that? Like, do you? Are you instantly doing independence, or do you, did I hear that you were refereeing for a while, or or how did that work? Well, during the training process, part of the training process was you had to learn each aspect of wrestling yep. in order to fully understand its its 
part in the whole game. And so, like, I remember doing music for a little while. I ran concessions and gimmicks. Like, I ran the gimmick tables and stuff. And then uh, I refed. And then they did an angle where they put me with another wrestler as, like, a val- like a ballet-type person. And then I started wrestling and managing, like, Tracy Smothers at JCW oh, awesome. at the same time. And then moving on from that into trying to, like, do more hardcore things. Because I knew that everybody's got to make themselves something unique. Yes. You know, it's like it's like a big circus, right? A big freak show. Mm-hmm. We all have something that appeals to people. Like, you've got those guys with the bodies that are, like, the Adonises. You've got those girls that are just absolutely gorgeous, like, goddesses. And, you know, then you've got the... You know, the brawlers and the fighters and, like, the knockout, drag-out, you know, type people. And then you've got the dirty players in the game. And, I mean, you've got so many di- different types and diversities that you have to make yourself something unique. Yeah, find your niche. Much- yeah, absolutely. Yeah, something just makes sets you apart from everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I knew I had a high pain tolerance. Yeah. Check. I knew that. And I knew that I have a willpower that if I say... I'm going to do it because you say, I can't do it. I'm going to do it mm-hmm. no matter what. And so, like, I know those two things put together with hardcore matches is kind of like a great marriage. Mm-hmm. So I was Absolutely. like, okay. And I knew that there wasn't a lot of female workers that were deathmatch wrestlers. Like, I hadn't heard of anybody in the United States. I know that LaVisto up in Canada was doing it. And I know there was a couple of uh, of girls in Mexico in Puerto Rico, but I, I don't know of anybody in the States that was really doing it. So I was like, okay, I want to see if I can do something about this. And the girl that actually, there was one girl that she did it for a brief moment and then she quit, but her name was uh, Delilah Starr, and she wrestled for IWA. And, I mean, this was, like, way before Smartmark Video and all that, like, back in the 90s and stuff. But, I mean, she was tough as nails, too. She had all six of her kids natural birth without without a fit or a kid. It was just like another day at the office for her, man. Wow. Like, she was a badass. And, and I kind of got, like, that mentality of she rolled up her sleeves and did what the fuck needed to be done, and she did it with a smile on her face. Mm-hmm. I was like, awesome. And then you had Luna Vachon, who was that aggressive. Like, she didn't do hardcore death match, you know what I mean? But she was hardcore. Yeah. Like her personality, Absolutely. character, even physical. the way she presented her matches and her aggression and everything else, even when she did use weapons and stuff. So, I mean, I had a lot of people that I could already look to, but the path wasn't clear. Yeah. And it was very difficult to, to try to figure it out because along the way, you know, you get people going, you shouldn't do this. There's no longevity to it. There's no rhyme or reason. It doesn't make sense. It's not wrestling. You know, you're killing yourself. You're killing your body. What are you doing this for? Who are you trying to impress? Nobody. I'm I'm not trying to impress anybody. If you if you like my matches, great. I'm having a blast. Maybe I'm psycho. Yeah. Maybe I just I'm I'm built a little differently than everybody else. But I love death matches. I love wrestling in death matches against my friends. Yeah. I love the fact that I can wrestle Randy West and we are just fucking two peas in a pod. Yeah. I love her to death. 
I can go and punch her in the face a million times, smash her over the head with 200 light tubes, which I did do at RPW. Amazing, man. We counted those two, over 200 light tubes there. We broke them all. We made sure. We're like, we're not walking out of here without breaking every single damn light tube. This is not happening. We did. Like, I love that, Brian. And I'm so happy for that. But, like, I'm just built a little different. Yeah. Some of us are. We just, we're sadistic and masochistic. And some of us don't really like the pain. It's not about the pain. It's about the adrenaline that we get because we know, at the end of the day, hardcore fans, deathmatch fans are the most brutally honest fans. And if you get such a vibe and an energy off of them, it's that that adrenaline, that high is just so addictive. Yeah. That's beautiful and it's perfect and it's euphoric. And for one second in this whole entire fucked up world, things just, things are just peaceful. Yeah. In a chaotic realm. And it's so contradictory, but it's so perfect. That's all I can explain it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it, it it does seem that like when you see your matches, they they look like they they look joyous. I watched the the match from <laughs> from Boot 'em Up from Ruthless Pro Wrestling yesterday. Uh, you versus Randy West, and it was like the funnest match. And for the first <laughs> half, of it you're not even in the ring. So if people think yep. it's impressive that they smashed over 200 light tubes, that didn't happen in the first half of the match. Meanwhile, they're fighting on like cannons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're like fighting on a PT cruiser. They're hitting each other with sticks. Then they, they end up coming back in, there and then literally truck. they break every... <laughs> exactly. Then they there break... was a truck with a gun. Like yeah. a massive gun. It's like a cannon or awesome. something, like artillery. It's it's wild. Yeah. Do yourself a favor, sure. check it out on IWTV. It's Last so fun. Truck. We got the people from across the street to come out and watch. They were having some kind of like baby shower over there. <laughs> I was like, all right, I see them out in the yard. Let's do this. Let's go visit them. <laughs> They're like, what is happening right now? But that, that's <laughs> a, that's the kind of thing, you know. And they when, when you finish watching the show. Yeah. Oh, did they really? <laughs> Oh, yeah, they're like, tell us when you come back. And I was like, sweet. Yeah, just bring the baby into the death match. It'll be fine. <laughs> but, yeah. We're going to name our kid after you. <laughs> Little Mickey. It works for a guy or a girl. It works out fine. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're into it. You're doing all the death match stuff, and that's amazing. Um, you said that you, you obviously took time off. You were married. You were doing that. And then recently you returned and – it feels like a huge resurgence. I mean, Deathmatch is in a huge resurgence right now and maybe the biggest it's ever been due to the pandemic and lockdowns and stuff. Is that, that what made you want to come back? You just missed it so much and you were like, I need to I need to be involved again? Uh, it really feels like coming home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it does. It feels like coming home. Yeah. Like, when I quit, my depression got the worst. Everything just took a tumble downhill, and I tried for the best. Mm-hmm. Just couldn't do it. And then when I realized that what was toxic, toxic in my life wasn't wrestling, yeah. that it was this relationship, mm-hmm. then it kind of kind of was an awakening of, oh, shit. I, I kind of made the wrong choice. I, think. Yeah. I tried for the sake of everything, and then sometimes at the end of the day, People just don't get along, and that's just how it is. And I have three beautiful kids out of it, and they know Mommy wrestles, and they get to come and watch Mommy wrestle when Mommy isn't doing hardcore matches because yeah. um, 
they are not old enough for that. <laughs> they know about them. Yeah. yeah. They know about them. They're not dumb. Because mm-hmm. um, sometimes they see mommy with boo-boos, and I explain to them, you know, mommy's okay. Things happen. Mm-hmm. Mommy's fine. Blah, blah, blah. I call them after a rematch. Call them before the matches. Let them know mommy's getting ready to wrestle. Yeah. I love them. I hope they have a great time. Not worried at all. Blah, blah, blah. You know. Uh-huh. Um, so I got three amazing things, like people, gifts, yeah. that I couldn't, I couldn't imagine my life without. And now I get to do my other love, which is wrestling. Yeah. So it seems like the perfect time. Yeah. You got it all now. <laughs> That's, For the moment. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, I, I think there's more to come, mate, like the way the way things are going. So when you started to come back, you've been doing amazing work, work in uh, H2O. Um, I, I really love that stuff. It was really cool. Um, I've just been uh, becoming familiar with Ruthless Pro Wrestling uh Thanks to the upcoming shows with ICW No Holds Barred, and then yes, you were you are coming to ICW No Holds Barred. Uh, you're headlining the the No Holds Barred 18 against Sadika, who is one of the hottest wrestlers in the world right now, and in Deathmatch, another amazing female performer. Um, there were I, I understand there was a little bit of a bridge to build in getting to this point now, but it it must feel pretty awesome uh, getting there now, right, and lead, leading up to that. Well, you know, I'm. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. So time and people always change. Absolutely. And there's only a few certainties in my life that I know I will never, ever, 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 ever do again. Because you know, you live and you learn. Mm-hmm. There's just there's just certain things that teach you not to work with certain people. You live and you learn. Mm-hmm. But then you, you learn other things from amazing people. Like Tracy's mother's, mm-hmm. rest his soul. R.I.P. Who, who teach you that it's okay to have disagreements and differences, but at the end of the day, the only reason we do what we do is because the people out there, we do it for them. Mm-hmm. We do it for ourselves, but we do it for them too. Mm-hmm. And they're there for us. They let us know when we fuck up or when we do something they don't like. They're honest about it. And they understand when we put in our effort or when we half-ass it up until the very end, that man always put in his effort. He always gave everything he had, mm-hmm. and he never walked away from it feeling, feeling guilty about it mm-hmm. or ashamed about it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I try to live my life by that motto of shit happens, things happen, people get in disagreements, but things need to be put aside and business needs to be done for the sake of business. Yeah, absolutely. And it doesn't mean you all can't agree going forward. It just means... Y'all hit a bump. Yeah. And I mean, when you're talking about passionate people, everybody's got opinions, you know what I mean? Like you guys are all passionate performers who want to do the best and things are going to happen. Like everybody's vision isn't always the same, you know? So it's understandable that that's going to happen. But at the end of the day, it doesn't mean that, that like like I said, bridges can't be built or doors can't be walked through or things can't change, you know? We're all from different places, different exactly. backgrounds, different walks of life. Absolutely. We're not going to agree on everything. My my viewpoint isn't yours, and it's mm-hmm. not meant to be. That's supposed to be the beautiful thing about it. Yeah. But it doesn't mean I can't like you going forward mm-hmm. unless you just absolutely want to continue being a dick. <laughs> and then I don't like you going forward. Yeah. I'd like to like everybody. I'm a hippie at heart. Yeah. I really am. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I like sitting on the front porch swinging, mm-hmm. you know, drinking, 
beer, sipping whiskey, smoking a blunt, just like any other grandma would. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not that old yet, but still. <laughs> I know what you're That's saying. Where I want to be Betty White when I get older. Yeah. I just want to say that. Yeah, she's my idol. I think she's a lot of people's <laughs> idol. She's She's an amazing woman. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so so as we lead into this, you're, you've got these amazing matches come up. You're going to be so busy over this weekend. Three huge matches. We've got Sadika on the first night. Uh, then we're talking about the Dale Patricks and the RPW Rust Belt title, um, which is going to be crazy. And then we're into the Goddess of Gore tournament. As if you hadn't had enough for those first two nights, you're just going to go and uh, jump <laughs> straight into a Deathmatch tournament. Why not? So so let's break them down a little bit. Um, what's your feelings on the, the Sardica stuff? There's obviously a lot of hype. Uh, there's a lot of unpredictability there. Excited? I'm so stoked. I am so excited. You have no idea. Yeah. Like, I've watched her work. I've seen it. I mean, I'd be stupid not to, right? Yeah. And and it's just so, the way she does things, people see an unpredictability. Mm-hmm. I see a commonality. Yeah, okay. I can see where she's thinking, where her brain is going. Yeah. Because I do the same thing. I'm, I'm unpredictable in what I do. And because I don't know what I'm going to do it until I do it. I just don't. I don't know what I'm going to say until I say it. I don't know what I'm going to do until I do it. I wake up every morning wondering what kind of person I'm going to be a day because I really don't know. Like, it just builds as the day goes on. Yeah. Sometimes I'm cranky. Sometimes I'm psycho. It depends if I get food. You know, it's just it's, it's just the thing of the day. Mm-hmm. I've, 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 I've got so much expectation and so much hope for this match. Yeah. Like, if the – if I try not to to hold myself to such a high standard because in my mind, I still feel like I'm very much a rookie, still learning a lot of things because I try to learn something from everybody that I get to wrestle. Mm -hmm. And I can only imagine what I'm going to learn from wrestling her. Yeah. Like, I just get chills and goosebumps and, and like literally like my hairs are standing up on, on my skin because you can feel the electricity surrounding this match already and it hasn't even become that the day before or the week before, you know. There's there's no real urgency to it. Mm. We're still, you know, a, a week and a half away. It, from, it from felt like match. that the moment it was announced and it's announced like when it is announced, it's coming off the the stuff that went down with John Wayne Murdoch where, you know, people are like wondering, is is this real? Is this isn't? Will she ever work for ICW again? And then they just go, oh, yeah, and then now she's with Mickey Knuckles. It's the two biggest deathmatch women in the world. And the fucking internet goes ballistic. Like, it's it's one of those matches, right? It's big fight feel. Yeah. It's so exciting. So <laughs> I can understand why you feel. I, I feel that now too. And, like, I'm not even going to be there. I'm on the other side of the world, so. The day of is going to be so high intensity. I yeah. know I know. afterwards I'm going to crash. Yeah. Because it's going to be so high adrenaline, so high intensity, the whole entire day leading up to it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, I know that it's it's going to be, especially building off the energy from the crowd. Mm-hmm. Like I said, when you, when you get through that curtain and you feel the anticipation behind the shit that's about to go down, mm-hmm. you know, A, you've done what you're supposed to do, and B, 
this is it. Like, yeah. either you ball the fuck up and go hard, mm-hmm. or you shut the fuck down and go home. Yeah. Like, that's it. And it's such a, a do-or-die moment. And it's in those moments that I really feel alive. Like, yeah. it's it's the greatest feeling in the world. And she may very well whoop my ass. I have no doubt about it. I have no doubt about it. Like, yeah. I know she don't whoop my ass. I'm known for being able to take ass whoopings. I guess that's the Irish in me. I, I can take a kick in. I got you. But just like Homer Simpson, once you come in, you better watch out. <laughs> I can wear it down. I got it. it. Yeah, you can take I a few kids. hits and then you can give it yeah. I got three kids, a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 5-year-old. I can wear them down. I got it. Neil Diamond kind of said, Mama Bear Mickey Knuckles is the most terrifying thing he's ever seen. So <laughs> he was like, Sadika better watch her ass. Let's just say I've never had to raise my voice like in a public place. My kids get the mommy voice and they're like, oh, shit. Head down. Nope, nope, nope. We better be quiet. Mom's going to make a scene. Let's not make mom make a scene. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And, I'm, I'll make it. Yeah, you're, you're making a scene the, the, the weekend. Let, let's talk about that. Uh and then from there, if that's not big enough, then we talk about Ruthless Pro Wrestling. We talk about the splash you made. It's Neil Diamond Cutter versus um, D- Dale Patricks. They had just been off the heel of a huge match, which was people are talking about match of the year. It's their big rematch. It's for the IPW title. Mickey Knuckles storms in. Nobody knows she's there. She wastes them both. Iconic picture of you grabbing Dale by the hair, screaming in his face. Ruin the night, challenge him, and then we're we're leading to that. And so, if the Sidekick match wasn't even happening, there's like all this electricity around this next match. <laughs> so you're you're just uh, making waves everywhere. I just, you know, okay. Look, I love Dale, love Dale to death. Okay, here's the thing. Okay, I thought we were friends, mm-hmm. and I heard that he was like. People were being mentioned as to who he wanted to wrestle for the belt. And I, what I had heard was my name was mentioned and he was like, oh, well, she hasn't really been here that long. She needs a couple more matches before maybe, before maybe that could happen. And I'm like, what? Wait a minute. 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 Um, like, what the fuck, bro? Yeah, you. I believe you're undefeated in RPW. Isn't that correct? Yes, I am. But seriously, like, we've known, e- I'm, we've known each other for how long? Like, you met me before you even got into business. Like, hmm. what the fuck, bro? Like, seriously, we're going to throw me out? Okay, I got you. I got you. <laughs> I don't know if it's because I'm a girl. I don't know. It's because he feels like, Oh, I'm like a little sister type deal or a big sister. I don't know. Because I'm older than him, I think. But still, like, so. <laughs> so you took it to him? I had stepbrothers. And I was like, fuck you, Dale. <laughs> fuck you. Go put your nuts on his drum set. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing Moby Dick for real. <laughs> Why swim so much? Because you've been watching Cops. And don't you know that Mickey Knuckles <laughs> is the walking episode of Cops? Ah, <laughs> uh, the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I know, right? I know. This is yeah. That, that's another one that's going to be awesome, and I feel like uh, 
I mean, you're going through a meat grinder before you get to him, but uh, if you could keep that yep. momentum going and that adrenaline going, you can just walk straight through. Yep. And then, mm-hmm. and then I fly out to California. Strap yourself up. Strap myself up, fly out to California mm-hmm. to face Ruby Rain. Yep. Straight. For God of the Boar. Yep, exactly. And first round. <laughs> Suicide. <laughs> For punishment, she called me my <laughs> And then if you get through her, it's whoever's next. It doesn't end. It just goes forever. It's like the never-ending story. <laughs> There's so many bad asses in that for me, tournament. Pray for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, th- I think I need to pray for the others. I think you're going to be on one. On one. As long as the fans like it, we're all good with that. Yeah, I think that there's no risk of that. I, th- I think we're getting ready for, like, the weekend of Mickey Knuckles. So uh, I know you're going to be ready and everybody needs to be ready. Well, well um, I'll, be, I'll be there. <laughs> That's all I can do. I'm here. <laughs> Come see me, hang out. We'll, we'll drink some beers and make sure I'm conscious. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. Give it quick shot, head to the ring. Yeah, that's what's up. So, okay. So for the end of my podcast, what I normally do is we play a game, yeah? I like to ask people what they're feeling in wrestling at the moment. So if somebody said, what are you feeling in wrestling at the moment? What would you recommend? It could be a match of yours or somebody else's, another wrestler, a promotion, whatever you're just digging at the moment. Oh, my gosh. I know. Wow. I get to throw you on the spot. Yeah. That's heavy. That's heavy, bro. That's so heavy. Um, what am I feeling in wrestling at the moment? You know what? I feel a change. I don't know how else to explain it. Like, It's like when you read in history how empires fall and new empires emerge. You know what I mean? Like new eras, new new ages, things like that. That's how this is. Yeah. Like we're seeing the fall of something that was seen as once a popular name brand, huge thing, mm-hmm. into a new wave of something totally unique, something different, something as an alternative that beat it out. Like there's there's just an evolution in it. I think. Yeah. And. And I think this is going to be historic, however this ends up. Yeah. I just it, hope it continues to go positively from here. Yeah, it, do, it does. It feels like a huge changing of the ways when you talk about, like, the rise of Deathmatch and the rise of AEW and the, the, the way that AEW isn't obeying the rules that have been set out before it, you know? They're bringing in people from other promotions. They're talking about people's history. They're putting somebody like Nick Gage on TV, you know what I mean? You're seeing RSP on on AEW Dark, they're grabbing from the independents and they're giving people what they want. It's it's very exciting time, and I know what you mean. It, it does. It feels like change at the moment. I feel like wrestling has never been more mainstream, more popular, or, or more interesting to people who never even knew it existed. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited it's a great about answer. it. Like it's, I said, let's yeah. keep hoping for that positive rise. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're going to see it, mate. Tell the people where to find you on social media. You can look me up under Mickey Knuckles. It's my real name. My mama gave it to me when I was born. Look me up on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Don't look me up on YouTube or look me up on YouTube. I don't care. Your discretion is advised. I, I'm just telling you right now, I cannot be held responsible. 
for the mental health detriment that you suffer after watching anything that I am a part of. I apologize full-heartedly, and, um, yeah, it's kind of on you. What I can guarantee you is that if you do watch a Mickey Knuckles match, you will have a great time. It's always a party. She's all over IWTV. We've got this coming weekend coming up, October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. ICW No Holds Barred, Ruthless Pro Wrestling, the Goddess of Gore Tournament. Mickey Knuckles is everywhere. So make sure you catch it because shit is about to go down at the start of October. <laughs> That's it. Mickey, thank you so much for your time. It's been so great getting to know you today. Thank you for having me. We'll have to do it again sometime. Absolutely. I would love that. Open invite, my friend. So everybody out there, for the amazing Mickey Knuckles and for Face and Feels, remember, it's all about peace, love, and pro wrestling. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Faces and Feels is a DIY project created and edited in-house by me, Rafe Houston. You can show your support by following us on Instagram at FacesFeelsCast, Twitter at FacesFeelsCast, and Facebook at FacesFeelsCast. Or send us an email with topic suggestions or feedback to facesandfeels at gmail.com, and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Our banger theme is Loose Lips Sink Ships by the Thunder Vipers. Check it out on Spotify. And now hang around for a quick word from some friends of the show. Peace out. My body is a roadmap of pain. Deathmatchworldwide.com The official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. If you are a deathmatch wrestling, promotion, manager, or platform and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent feud.